You're listening to the Strong Roots Podcast, the show about strengthening our roots with discussions about health and wealth with your host, Carrie B. Carrie will cover a wide range of topics ranging from gut health to changing habits to managing our money. And just like life, you never know what this podcast is going to throw at you. And now here's your host, Carrie B. Welcome to the Strong Roots and Wine and Dime podcast. This is our second crossover episode, and we are happy to be together and do this episode with Jane Springer. Jane is a certified life and style coach and research assistant at FSU College of Medicine. Jane was previously on Amy's Wine and Dine podcast, episode 24, and shared some about her journey. Go back and check it out, as they had a great conversation about Jane's journey with food in her professional and personal life. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you. Welcome back. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be back. So thanks both of you for being on. One of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because I believe everything is connected. And one topic that is important to me is our emotions. So I believe our emotions affect every decision that we make, sometimes good and sometimes bad. So... I thought we would just dive right in and get started. So one thing I wanted to talk about with Jane was how what we eat and drink affects our emotions. Okay. Happy to talk about that. Um, Actually, what you eat and drink affects your emotions, and it works the other way, too. Your emotions affect what you eat and drink. So, um, you know, we can approach it from both directions. So depending on what you eat and drink, that can make you feel a certain way. For instance, um, if you um, eat a lot of sugar, that is going to, you know, give you a shot of feel-good hormones, um, and then you may um, eat more, drink more. That's going to make you feel good for the moment, and then it's going to crash at some point, And then bring your emotions down again. So you really haven't um, done much for yourself except drive your blood sugar and your insulin up. Um, You will get that neurotransmitter uh, dopamine hit, which everybody likes, of course. But then then you come back down again, which isn't that enjoyable. So that's how something you eat or drink can make you um, feel euphoric or happy momentarily. But then you're going to go back down perhaps into your anxiety and your uh, depression or just feeling kind of low and you depended on something you ate or drank in order to um, feel better. Jane, can I interrupt you for just a quick moment there? One of the words that you just used was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, curious about that a little bit because um, I, this is completely biased question because it's it's, I think... I'm generalizing a little bit and I'm also internalizing a little bit, but I've noticed with myself and with some of the client, our clients, as they get just a little bit older, anxiety becomes either more recognized or it just, we become more anxious. I'm not sure which, Um, but I do notice that if I don't eat healthy combined with other things going on in life, that that tightness in the chest occurs. Mm-hmm. And we don't often, at least for me, I'm talk, I should talk for myself, 
We don't often relate that to our nutrition. We relate it to all the work we have to do and Mm -hmm. all the pressures that we feel. So if you wouldn't mind, would you just explore that a little bit with us? Yes. Well, of course. Um, Yeah. If you are not eating healthy, let's say that you, um, and that's a general term, but um, if you're not eating whole foods, generally plant-based, balanced kind of uh, meals, and um, then your blood sugar is going to plummet. And then definitely you'll start feeling the anxiety worse. And I do think it increases with age. Just I, I kind of agree with you because I know with me it, it did. So, um, so yes. And so you're going to feel anxious. And then that is the point when people usually reach for food or drink or something else um, to calm themselves so they can get through what needs to get done during the day. Um, because, you know, everybody has a lot to do. And the more you think about how much you have to do, the more you want to eat, drink, um, reach for that candy bar or something to, you know, give the energy, calm you down a bit, make you feel a little bit better and then get done what you need to get done. But it's not a a healthy way of uh, dealing with um, anxiety for sure. I've noticed that um, for me, I seem to be in a never ending battle of it's with caffeine because it's like when I wake up in the morning, I start my day with caffeine and then around 10 and and normally it's, it's been coffee. So at 10, I'll have another cup and then maybe around one or two, I'll have another cup of coffee. And I also think that I'm sensitive to caffeine, but then I think that I need it to get through the day, you know, and most, most of my job is at a computer. So I think that, that, you know, we're not up moving, so we're not getting this natural energy put back into us. And I think that I have this never ending battle with caffeine because then when I go to bed at night, I'm struggling to go to sleep. And I don't know if that's also anxiety and and that caffeine keeping me stimulated. So that is definitely one thing that I'm struggling with. I'm trying to give up that the afternoon caffeine because I think it's 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 causing me more harm than good. What do you have in your coffee with the That's that's one thing that um okay, so this has been a big week for me in my coffee intake because I've been I would say in the last couple of years I've became interested in kind of being a healthy eater. It's not something that's always been important to me. But one thing that I've been just straight up ignoring is my coffee creamer because I knew that it was not good for me or there were some bad ingredients in it. So I've just been ignoring that particular product. But I did look at the ingredients this week and I dumped out my coffee creamer and I've been struggling ever since. <laughs> so, okay, well, I have an alternative that, that will taste just as good and when you get used to it. Um, but most of the time, those creamers, uh, gosh, they, um, they don't have a lot of good going for them. Um, plus, they've got sugar. Um, a lot of times, they've got um, uh, carrageenan, which is, is like really a, not a good ingredient. So the alternative to that is to have some 
straight up. Do you like coconut milk? Have you ever had it or tried I it? I have not. I've tried. I actually tried almond milk this week in it, and it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't put anything else. I just like. I got up and I yeah. made my coffee and I put a little bit of almond milk in it and I was like, nope, this isn't what I'm looking for. So okay. I just dumped okay. it out. Yeah. Um, well, you want to have something that's unsweetened because, um, you know, they've got sugar. Those creamers have sugar. So if you need energy, well, first of all, get um, try canned um, coconut milk, straight up you know, like not light. I mean, just full fat coconut milk and, um, you know, put it in a blender. So, cause it, cause it separates in a can, but put it in a blender and blend it up. It's really thick and creamy. Um, I would try that or, um, uh, really I would try that first. Um, and cause it will stick with you a little bit and, you know, you may be wanting not only the caffeine, but the sugar that was in the creamer. So um, I would suggest having a little breakfast or having some food that um, can get your blood sugar going and your insulin going, you know, on a level manner, but but with some some food that does not have sugar in it, you know, a little fruit or something like that, that could give you a little boost as opposed to the, the creamer. But I mean, I, there is nothing wrong with having real cream. If you can tolerate dairy, I would just use heavy cream um, okay. and without sugar though. Um, okay. And try that. Okay. So I've never heard of, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just, it will, it'll taste more substantial to you than um, maybe just some plain almond milk. Yeah. So this kind of makes me, I, know when, oh, I was just going to say, I've never even heard of canned coconut milk so that's something that's new to me yeah um well they have it in cartons now but they're usually the carton ones have stuff added to it so um yeah try that and one thing that i've done carrie um that it's it's um kind of a little on top of what jane is saying is that i'll take my hot coffee and you know put a little bit of the coconut milk in it and then I whip that up and it's kind of like a um it's got it's got that frothiness in it like a latte would yeah Mm. and it's it's a little treat I mean it's my coffee and I have a relationship that is sick (laughs) so it's so but I you know but 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 like anything I think Jane, you can probably speak better than this. I think if we if we don't make something special, it becomes ordinary. And I know that sounds like crazy, right? But when you take that you take that coffee, which is an ordinary item that we drink every day, and you throw it in the blender with a little bit of whatever it might be, like the 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 heavy cream or the coconut milk, whichever you feel you know you you like better. Um, and you get that frothiness on top, on top, it's, it's the same thing as if you just poured that stuff in there. But for me personally, it just gives this added makes it special. the mixture. It does. Mm-hmm. And even if you have two cups of it, right. it's still, a, it's a, it's a, it seems like a special treat. So I don't know if that would help you at all. Yeah, and but- when you have the, um, the cream, real cream in there, the real coconut milk, um, that will temper the caffeine um, you know, uh, hit 
a little bit and make you feel fuller. It'll just, um, you know, moderate it a little bit. And I wouldn't worry about the fat. Fat is good for you, contrary to what everybody thinks, but don't worry about that. So what, do you guys put anything else in there, just the coconut milk? Yeah, I don't put anything else. I just put the coffee and the coconut milk. Okay. Yeah. Try that. I don't know. Jane, do you put anything else in your, you don't drink coffee. Or tea. um, I don't do any caffeine, but um, uh, I have a smoothie every morning and I either put uh, macadamia nut milk, which is um, delicious, by the way, um, or the coconut milk in there um, with my berries and my, you know, um, greens and um, some avocado. And that'll last me, you know, like all morning. But um, it's the, so I can switch things up, but it does make it special, Amy, just like you were talking about, because I, mm-hmm. I switch it up and kind of makes a color pretty with the different berries that I use. But it, it definitely, the way it looks and the way you fix it, it makes a difference, I think. And Carrie, I was chuckling when you, when, when this came up, because you and I had a conversation offline about the creamer that you were using and the ingredients that were in the <laughs> creamer that you were using. Um, and, and Jane kind of alluded to it already when she was talking about it. But, you know, when you start to get into like six or seven ingredients and they start to put things like um, carcinogen, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, that's not a good thing. Yeah. I was surprised that, um, One thing that I was told was, you know, like the first two or three ingredients is what it's the most of. Mm -hmm. And then to read that, the third ingredient was vegetable oil. And I was like, why, why is there vegetable oil in my creamer? It just, I know that couldn't, couldn't be good. And I, I didn't have any idea that there was vegetable oil in my creamer. I really was ignoring it. And so well, now you know. I was like, knowledge is power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I pulled my head out of the sand. So, um, okay, Jane, I want to go back. You don't drink any caffeine. Mm-hmm. You don't drink coffee or anything. Mm-hmm. The, is that a, that was a choice a long time ago. The caffeine was, um, you know, making my heart race. I just didn't like the anxious kind of feeling that it gave me and my heart pounding and all that. So, it really wasn't worth it to me. I'd rather, um, I'd rather get a little bit of, um, good feeling from a tiny piece of dark, very, very dark chocolate. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I weaned myself off of it and I had a headache for a few days, but that was it. Yeah. I've had a headache from, uh, well, and the only alternative I have in my house with caffeine in it was a, like energy thing that was like a powder and yeah. So I was looking and I was like, it's it's been in my pantry for a really long time. And I was looking at the ingredients and it has like sucralose and all these things. And I was like, okay, I can't go from (laughs) one to another. So I'm on a journey to figure out. Stick to things that have, um, that are whole ingredients and not, not right. additives, as much whole food ingredients as you possibly can without sugar. Everything has sugar too. I've turned into an ingredient reader and last night. Well, everything processed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was even, uh, I made spaghetti last night 
and mm-hmm. looked at the uh, sauce and it had sugar in it. And I was like, golly, everything. <laughs> I've only been able to find one spaghetti sauce prepared that has no sugar in it. And that was at Costco. So I always get my spaghetti sauce at Costco. Oh, yeah. But uh, really, even at Whole Foods, they all have a little bit of sugar in them. That's And that's one of the things that I think for me in our area. So we're about it would mm, two and a half hours to a Whole Foods or a Costco. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing I'm kind of on a mission to do is help people in our area figure out what's available for us to eat. Um, that is good for us. So it's a challenge for sure. Now, one thing that I've done around like sauce and stuff like that is I'll buy the, um, cause as you guys know, I'm not much of a chef. Brent does the majority of the cooking in our house, but the, the, just the plain can of tomato, like crushed tomatoes, you know, the, it, the hunts or whatever. And, um, and then just put that in a pan and throw like, um, onion powder and garlic powder and basil. Basil has an enormous amount of sweetness to it. So I'll basil up just about anything, maybe a little oregano. And there's no sugar in that because it's just pure crushed tomatoes. It's not, you know, it's not any sugar in it. And it's amazing what some of those natural ingredients can have in it but if you like if you want just a little bit of sweetness to your sauce basil will do that every time and we we tend to grow it um you know especially when we're we're especially in the winter when we're down in florida well we have some growing right out back that we just pluck off and throw you know throw right in our stuff like that so if you're trying to get less sugar in your diet you can buy some of those whole whole products, I guess you want to say. And yeah, yeah, I'm trying really hard. It's, um, I think it's harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, just because the way I learned to cook growing up and, um, the things that we eat wasn't something that comes naturally. So, and I tend to have a all in or all out personality. So I think I thought I was going to be able to just jump right in and this, we're not going to do, we're not going to eat sugar and we're not going to eat junk. And um, it's not, it's not that easy. Yes. (laughs) I'm learning. So, you know, this week, probably this month, maybe even two months, I'm just going to try to um, conquer my coffee situation. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't, I don't necessarily think I'm going to give it up, but, um, I've got to figure out what to do in place of it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my baby step one. Um, and I think that's part of why I'm doing this is because I'm not real knowledgeable um, on food. So I know a lot of people aren't. And if we can help other people kind of take one baby step at a time, then, you know, that's kind of what this podcast is about and uh, just helping people go in the right direction. Right. I mean, definitely. um, If you try and make all those changes all at one time, you're bound to fail. So, Mm -hmm. you know, work on one thing at a time as much as you can. The the things that you think are the most detrimental. And if I had to pick, I'd say sugar um, for most people. 
um, you know, just to avoid processed foods as much as possible because almost all of them have sugar in it. But I mean, I was not raised in a healthy diet um, at all. Although, I mean, my mother cooked, a, but I mean, I was raised in a time of breakfast cereals. I mean, that's what we did. And, and um, we thought it was great when they invented frozen waffles. Um <laughs> You know, and I drank real Coca-Colas and I drank and I had cookies every day after, you know, I mean, it was just um, and it, you know, over time, I just learned and it wasn't until I was an adult really to um, and I discovered that I had some food sensitivities and then uh, found out I had celiac disease. And then, you know, it's just been a process um, and pre-diabetic. So you know, that's when I totally eliminated the sugar pretty much. And so it's a learning process. So, I mean, just do a little bit at a time and just as much as you possible, try and, you know, stick to whole foods as often as you can. Although just like Amy said, you can buy whole foods in a can and there's nothing wrong with that or frozen. Um, And, you know, just do the best you can and don't beat yourself up. If you, if you don't have, um, you know, if you don't have, you know, fresh, fresh vegetables or something like that on hand, for sure, use the can. I mean, baby steps, Terry. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I mean, that's definitely that's what I'm, I'm my goal is to do is, is take it one step at a time. And I think it's like that with money, mm-hmm. too. I think people think um, they have to you know, get everything right from the beginning or, or just think, well, I'm not ever going to get it right. So I'm not even going to try. I know that's definitely an emotion I have when I wake up in the morning and I think, you know, it's a mindset. So Mm -hmm. if you start your day and if I start my day good, you know, and I eat fruit for breakfast and I get off on a better foot, I have a better day, but I am I call it self-destruction. I'm really bad. Like if one bad thing happens and I have that negative emotion or something happens with one of my kids and it makes me upset or angry, then I just, it's like I go into this roller coaster of, of negativity and then it affects what I cook for dinner because I'm like, oh, who cares? You know, so <laughs> I think... I think it is all so, I do, and I don't even consider myself an emotional person, but I do think Mm -hmm. we all are, Mm -hmm. to a point, somewhat emotional. For me, it's when I don't feel like I have control of things. Um, I don't don't want to be a control freak, but I am. (laughs) And when -hmm. when I don't feel that I have good control over a situation, um, then I... I turn to, um, I tend to have high anxiety level, high anxiety level for me means one glass of wine is two. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that second glass of one glass of wine, not being bad, the second glass of wine every night, that's 700 calories throughout the course of the week. So, yeah. And, um, Totally. Um, and I mean, I think we talked about this on the other podcast, Amy, it's it it's really your thoughts that are driving mm-hmm. your feelings 
that drive your actions, that drive your results. So if you're having the thoughts, most people don't think, you know, we aren't aware of their thoughts. All they feel is the anxiety. Mm -hmm. But there was a thought that that triggered that anxiety. And it was probably something like, I'm never going to get everything done today. Or for you, Carrie, it's, um, you know, my car broke down and I don't know how I'm, I'm going to pick up my child today. Or I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. <laughs> or I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. Not you particularly, Carrie. But, um, you know, it's, it's a thought which drives the anxiety, which um, triggers your action. So what do you do? How do you react when you have that anxiety? Do you reach for, let's say, the second glass of wine or the cookies or, um, you know, you might jump on Facebook just to zone out for a while um, that we call it buffering. But whatever it is, um, you know, it's not necessarily a positive thing, but you're going to do that. And then the result is your your anxiety level is going to stay high. You're not going to get the results you want, like finish your work. If you're in a spin um, and you know, if you go off and do Facebook, you're not going to get your stuff done. If you, if you have a bunch of cookies, you're going to get that dopamine hit, but then you might want to get, not want to get back to work and you might eventually get the anxiety. It's all rolled into one. So the, the, um, the method to get around that is first of all, to recognize the thoughts that you're having or the feelings and what triggered it. And then to um, eventually first to look at the situation, like have some compassion with yourself. Oh, I see. I've got anxiety because I'm worried about um, not um, picking my son up at school today, or I'm worried about not getting everything done that needs to be done today. And then come up with a better thought. Um, If you want to feel calm or calmer, what is a thought that you could um, use as not a mantra, but a thought, a conscious thought um, that you could substitute instead of um, I'm never going to get everything done. You know, you have the thought, okay, okay, Amy, one thing at a time. I'm going to do one thing at a time or I can handle this. Or I've got this, you know, whatever works for you, it has to be believable by your brain. And then you'll feel calmer. Then the action is, okay, um, I will proceed and do this, that, and the other. And then the result is you get the work done. So it all originates with a thought and a feeling. And and when I say feelings, it's emotions, you know, like your emotions are your feelings. So that's something that I always teach my clients because whether they're overeating, well, a lot of my clients are, are people who would like to lose weight. And um, it, it all boils down to the thoughts that they're having that's driving their eating or drinking or, mm-hmm. um, you know, destructive, uh, non-helpful habits. Um, so, yeah, so that's a tool that I teach to my clients to, to a process to use when they're anxious. Um. That would be very helpful. I think for me, a lot of times I think as my person, as, as a whole person, I'll think, well, I, I can't be that kind of person. I can't be a healthy person that always has it together and, and cooks healthy and eats healthy all the time. But I can. It's just going to take me a real, you know, realistically 
a little while to get there. And I have to tell myself that, um, that I can do it because there are a lot of days when I, I let that self-destructive thought process convince me otherwise. So it would be good for yeah. me to learn that self-talk. Yeah. That you're I mean, if you have now. the thought, um, uh, what was the thought you just said? Um, Oh, I'll never be a healthy eater. Just that I, I can't. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I'll never, I, I, I'll never be able to do this healthy eating. Then the feeling you get is what? Just failure. And yes. Yeah. Frustration or, or, or disappointment mm-hmm. in yourself. And then, then that's the feeling. Then the action you take is you throw your hands up and say, I'm not even going to bother because there's never, there's no way I'm going to do this. And then the result is, of course, you're not eating healthy. And so, yes, you need to come up with a, a different thought when you start to feel those feelings to have a different thought, like, um, you know, I can do this in baby steps. You know, I can do this one day at a time. You know, I don't have to do everything all at once. And then your feeling will start to feel sort of maybe inspired or motivated or, um, calmer. And then the action, um, is okay. Well, I'm going to do this about my coffee this week, or I'm going to buy this at the grocery store this week and make some canned tomato sauce or whatever. And then, um, the result is that step-by-step you become a healthier eater. It's just, um, but the, and it's not the, the great part about this is that your brain, although it's lazy and wants to go back to that old thought that you're always, you know, it's, it's an old thought loop. I mean, you're in a um, thought loop in your brain. Um, You're going to make new neural pathways when you start saying, um, Carrie, you know, you've got this, just going to do one thing at a time and start saying that to yourself. The old neural pathway will fade eventually and the new one will become stronger and stronger and stronger. So if you, but you got to repeat it, it has to be believable, but you have to like repeat it. So put it up on your refrigerator or in your pantry or something and say, you know, um, I've got this, I'm doing this one day at a time and I'm going to be a healthy eater, whatever works. And um, eventually it'll be a natural thought loop in your brain. You just got to practice it. One, but one you of can the do things it. that you said, Jane, that I just want to pick out of, um, this discussion back and forth was compassion with ourselves. Um, I, I am trying to get better. I am good at recognizing when somebody else doesn't have compassion for themselves, but I'm not so good at recognizing when I'm not having compassion with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's why I always bring it up. Um, because you feel like you need to go straight into that. New, I've got to fix this <laughs> mode um, and I've got to um, get this thing right um, instead of taking a moment. And, you know, if you're feeling anxious, you kind of just get you say to yourself, um, OK, Amy, like what's up here? You know, like with a kind of softness, a kind of compassion. It does take mm-hmm. practice, but I'm mean, going to stop for a minute and say, Hey, Amy, what's up? You know, like, what's up, love? You know, like, um, you know, why are you so anxious? And, you know, yeah, I know you've got 10,000 things to do, 
So I have passion. <laughs> I have passion on myself, but you know, like we can, we can do this. We can handle it. We just do one thing at a time, or whatever it is that you need to, you know, um, create as a thought instead mm-hmm. of that. But I totally agree with people. I'm, I'm bad at it. You know, like I'm again, like you, I can pick it out of other people, but I'm always hard on myself. So I have to just, you know, take a minute and say, okay, Jane, what's up? You know. Um, why are you so anxious? And then generally you can pick apart what's going on and come up with something better. I think that's what I do. I think I'm really, I expect a lot out of myself. Um, and I'm really bad about having the thought, uh, I have so much to do and I'm never going to get it done. And that's, for me, it's not even always the reality. It's just, that seems to be my thought when I wake up. And even when I get to work and I start getting things done and feeling accomplished, I'm like, okay, well, that, that's, I made something out to be worse in my head than it really was. Or the task seemed harder or larger than it really was simply because I had applied anxiety to the situation. Uh, and I do that a lot, especially because, I mean, I know everybody has a long to-do list most of the time. And so, I think we just constantly go over it in our head. I got to do this. I got to do that. So, yeah, that's what we do. And um, so instead of, you know, I've got to do this. Well, you could substitute. um, I'll do this first and then I'll do that. Take a breath. I'll do this first and then I'll do that. Um, and then your anxiety level doesn't, you know, rise quite so much. And um, there are some things you can do, um, you know, like I have found that peppermint tea um, is a calming, um, you know, just take a beat, you know, like fix yourself some tea and just sit down and, um, you know, like just a couple of minutes and say, okay. Now, what what can I do first and then what can I do next? And um, what I have found is to work in these uh, models that doing using the tool, if you write it down, um, you can come up with something better and come up with a plan of a new action. I mean, a new um, thought or a new feeling that you want. And then what do you need to do? Do you need to set that aside and do that first? Or do you, um, or do you just say to yourself, um, "I'll get this done one thing at a time"? Because usually, when you say, "Say I have to get this done," you know, "I'll never get this done," which I do that a lot in my head. I'll never get this done. I mean, where do you go from there? <laughs> Straight to anxiety. <laughs> I'll never either that or um, disappointment in yourself, or you know, it's never a good feeling. So, um, one of the things that I started doing probably about. I want to say a month, maybe two months ago now. It's yeah, probably about a month and a half ago, actually, in January. Um, I every day I would say I'm just I'm just going to focus on the, the like because I was getting in that pattern. Like I've been busting my you know what, and I feel like nothing's gotten done. And so, and because my to do list, like everybody else's, is very long, um, I started saying the most important one item that I will get done before 10 o'clock today. That's it. One item before 10 o'clock today. This is all I need to focus on. If I can get that one item done, 
my day was successful. It's like, why do you make your bed every day? Well, why do I make my bed every day? Because it is something I can complete. (laughs) If everything else goes awry, I've done that one thing and I've made my bed. And those two things, I cannot, I can no longer say I got nothing done because that's not true. I got the most important thing done and I made my bed. (laughs) Yeah. Just, as I said, just one step at a time. It's perfect. And it seems, you know, it seems silly when I tell people that, but they're like, I'm like, you you don't understand. Like my, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, the phone can ring and my day can be completely reorganized because of a crisis that one of our clients is having. So it's important to me to be able to say, you know, that I at least got some, this one thing that was really critical to another client, you know, done. Yep. Okay, that's perfect. This leads me to one of my questions. Um, And Amy, you can answer and Jane, but so what is one thing that has strengthened your roots and made you feel like you are better because of it? And it can be anything. It can be food, money, a habit, just anything that, you know, it could have been five years ago you started doing this. It could have been Five weeks ago, what is one thing that has strengthened your roots and made you feel like you're better? For me, it's a hard question. Um, yeah, one thing. It's kind of hard. But um, <laughs> for me, um, it's really my faith um, that has gotten stronger over time. And then um, I feel like I've become a better person and I've been able to handle things better and you know it affects the rest of my life and my family and relationships and everything so I would say uh, strengthening my faith I, I think that's perfect I think for me the one thing that certainly the you know not trying to do it all in one day um, and then saying you no know, I just because you because you know Carrie I'm up pretty early every morning. And so there's a window, (laughs) a window of opportunity for me between about, you know, between six and seven, where that one thing that I just want to make sure gets accomplished today, um, that is really a priority. And it might be something that has been pushed down, down, you know, the the chain. Um, And now it has become something I absolutely have to focus on. So to have that quiet time between six and seven every morning to achieve that one thing, um, it really brings my anxiety level down enormously. Yeah, it is. Both of those are, I think. That's a good one. My faith has grown a lot over the years. And then as I've gotten older, I think my morning routine included, has included that, that, early quiet time that I have to myself, which I'm trying to redo with my coffee routine, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Well, that's what I take my, you know, my blended coffee and I, you know, have my little quiet time and yeah, it's perfect. (laughs) Okay. So I have another question. So what is one food that was hard for you to give up, but you know, you are better because of it. And then what did you replace it with? I think at first it was, I think similar to your situation, um, Carrie, it's, we all have our, it's stress food, right? We all have our favorite treat, our go-to treat. 
Um, I think I have reduced the amount of wine, but I haven't given up, but I have definitely given up sugar. Like not all sugar, like I not like yogurt, sugar and lactose, you know, but refined sugar. But now that I've given it up, it's not good when I do reintroduce it because my joints ache, my brain aches, my body aches. It's foreign to my body now. So when I do add it back in thinking, oh, it's just a, you know, a little bit of a treat, mm. it's painful. And when you get to that point where, you know, you introduce something like that, reintroduce something that you've cut out like that, and you realize how you f- really clearly realize how you feel when you add it back in, uh, you don't want it anymore. <laughs> And I'd have to piggyback right on that, um, Amy, because I um, never considered myself really a big sugar eater. I mean, I thought I was a fairly um, healthy eater, but, you know, I've had a desire my whole life for chocolate chip cookies and um, started making them when I was a young girl, those Toll House cookies. And so... um, that was one thing I, I would make desserts, like I would make um, cookies or brownies and then I'd eat some and send the rest to, with my husband to work. But I, so I was never even thinking about, and that was rarely, but um, I was told, I think I said this on your, your episode, Amy, but um, I was told years ago when I was in my twenties that, um, that I was hypoglycemic and I needed six small meals a day. And so that was what I've done since I was in my twenties. And, um, but the snacks that I was having in between breakfast, lunch, lunch, and dinner, um, I was eating a protein bar, um, which had plenty of protein in it, um, but also had 16 grams of sugar, which is, <laughs> was delicious, but I know what, now why. But, um, and then in the afternoon, I would have an apple with peanut butter or a piece of gluten-free bread um, with peanut butter. And so I was, I was gaining weight, but I was still within the calorie count and I couldn't figure it out. Well, anyway, that I found out that I was pre-diabetic. The reason that was, was because I never let my insulin level come down during the day because I ate the protein bar with sugar and, um, the, the apple and peanut butter would raise it or the bread. And, um, so giving up that snack, those snacks, made me, um, I mean, I lost 12 pounds and, and I feel hundred percent better, but I didn't realize how that was making me feel like I had the same thing, Amy. I mean, the achy joints and stuff like that. And so when I eat it now, like I make gluten-free chocolate chip cookies with my granddaughter every now and then, and I feel like I want it and it looks good and it smells good. But the next day I, I just don't feel mm-hmm. good. And my blood mm-hmm. sugar goes sky high because I still test it. So it's definitely not worth it to me. So I would say sugar as well. Mm-hmm. So how long has it been for each of you since you gave it up? Mm, it's probably been two years, three years now. Two years for me too. When I found out I was pre-diabetic, I'm like, I'm not going down that road because I have a brother who's type 2 diabetic and I do not want to lose limbs and eyesight and all this. This scared me. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't hard to give up the snacks in between. And, and um, you know, I don't every once in a while I'll have something with sugar in it, like some uh, uh, coconut milk ice cream or something. But 
Um, yeah, it's been about two years since I stopped all that snacking and stuff. Okay. So that kind of gives, I mean, I'm definitely on my way to eating healthier and it's hard for me to wrap my mind around like giving up sugar, especially when I realized it was in even my spaghetti sauce I cooked with last night. So, you know, it's, it's going to be one maybe step at a time, but now that I know you guys have done it for a while and it's doable and, and I know a lot of people do do it, but it's easy to, and it goes back to me thinking like I could never be one of those people. And I'm not even a really big sweet eater. I think it just overwhelms me to think about, I'm going to have to put that much energy into, you know, feeding my family and trying to eliminate sugar. And so, you know, if I just do it one meal at a time, it's doable. So yeah, it is doable. I mean, you know, if, if you say to yourself, I'm giving up all sugar, you'll never be successful. Right. So you just say, I'm going to start looking at labels, mm-hmm. you know, and just see. Um, and I'm just going to start to be more aware of, you know, what I'm eating and the processed foods and look at the labels. And then, you know, one by one, I can eliminate them. So have compassion with yourself, Terry. Like- <laughs> I will. My family not, may not be as compassionate with me about the changes. Don't tell them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good idea. I may not tell them. <laughs> if, you, if you say to your husband and your, your son, um, uh, we're giving up sugar now, that you will have a revolution. You will have a, an uprising. Just, you yes. know, gradually buying that stuff and gradually, you know, every now and then have a treat, but just gradually re- replace stuff, they'll, they probably won't notice yeah. right away. Okay. Well, turning the wheel a little bit, um, what is, do you have one money habit, either good or bad that you have changed that has lasted and been helpful? Hmm. Um, I do definitely. Um, when I was a single parent, um, and I did not get child support, I, um, got into debt with my credit cards. Um, and I was just doing the best I can speaking of having compassion on yourself. And then, um, I inherited some money and I was able to pay it off. But since then I don't ever carry a, um, a balance on my credit card. I pay it off every month. And that's been one habit that is great because you aren't worrying month to month. Uh, how you're going to juggle, which is what I was doing. Do I have enough money to buy groceries or am I going to pay this bill? You know, so I would say, um, not, you know, running up your credit card bills and just paying it off cash every month. That's a good one. Cause definitely could think about what emotions were affecting you whenever you were using your credit card and what you were buying. That could be a whole nother <laughs> Topic. That could be a whole other podcast episode, but, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, any number of things, anxiety, you know, like, um, oh, I'll just go buy something and it'll make me feel better. Or, you know, my daughter would need some clothes or she'd need to pay for something for school or, you know, summer camp or something like that, you know, and, and it just, if you don't have the money, you charge it. I did. So, um, yeah, we could have another podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> and probably should. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, you know, it's, it's making sure that Brent and I talk about it because I can get, um, for 
probably psychological reasons, not, not growing up with a lot of money and all the emotion that goes along with that and seeing my mom struggle for years and years with it. Um, I can get very anxious around money and, um, you know, having the responsibility of working with all of the clients that we do carry and, and helping them with their, their various situations around money. I can get, I can find myself being very anxious around money, warranted or not. It, it just, I can. And, and talking it out with Brent and having um, conversations around what's coming up. Where's the money going to come from? Um, you know, where do we need to shift? Did we plan for that expense at the beginning of the year? Did we not plan for it? Just talking about it and ta- and solving a problem together. I-, I know that's not like when you think of, you know, money habits, you don't think of that. But to be honest, it, it really is a good habit to get into talking to your significant other about, and we, we do, we have it on the calendar. Like we actually put an appointment on the calendar that we're going to talk about it once a month, if not more, but at least once a month. And we we're faithful to that. I mean, that's, that's a great, I mean, communication is such a big deal in a marriage anyway. And then if you're not communicating about money, it can cause major problems. And it makes me think of, the article I just, we just posted about uh, having a money date for Valentine's Day that I wrote. Um, you know, that that came from real situations uh, in our marriage. And I think that a lot of times things are ignored. And when you're married, now you're sharing money and, you know, you're not making decisions on your own. And it can definitely bring up a lot of issues if if it's not talked about and sometimes it can make you feel like you're not, you know, I'm not getting to buy this or do that. And it's, you know, you, even though it's, it's more than likely not your spouse's fault in your mind, you want to blame it on your spouse because you feel like, you know, or can, yeah. 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 I mean, you may not. Yeah. 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 So I think that's definitely, um, a great habit is communicating about money because if you're not, it, it's, it's kind of like ignoring the ingredients in your coffee cream or you're just <laughs> waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think that the whole conversation about money and anxiety and your health habits, it's all, you know, it's all related. Uh, I think. Um, and if you're anxious about money, if you're not communicating about money, you know, you might go off and, you know, eat a bunch of candy or, or you might go off and, you know, have three or four beers or, you know, it, and, or you, you know, it's just, it's all tied in together. The more healthy habits you have, the better able you are to handle anxiety and stress in your life, period. I know that just for an example, I did a um, a small survey of women lawyers here in town, and I wanted to know what their stressors were. I mean, I work with the Florida Bar on wellness, and so I'm on their committee. So anyway, I wanted to do this little um, survey, and pretty much all of them said that 
their, you know, their days are just stress, 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 because, you know, they've got demanding clients, they've got, you know, partners on their back, they've got, you know, briefs to file, they've got deadlines, and they're either reaching for the candy, they're reaching for, you know, some kind of boost in the middle of the day, they feel anxiety, you know, it's, it's all, you know, tied in together. So, I mean, if you have stress in your life, um, in general, it's going to affect what um, actions you take unless you, um, you know, know how to <laughs> talk back to it and, you know, think about what your thoughts are and, and have a substitute besides, you know, the unhealthy habits that go. But, but stress and money stress is right up in there, money stress. And, um, well, these lawyers are stressed about, you know, they got to bring in billable hours. It's just, you know, same concept. Um, it's, it's all money anxious worries. Um, so the healthier your habits are, the better able you are to deal with it all. Yeah. I think that goes back to that mindset that I struggle with of, I am a healthy person or I am that kind of person. So I think it's shifting your mindset and, mm-hmm. and remembering it's, you're not going to be a perfect, healthy person. Mm-hmm. So nobody is, nobody has a hundred percent habits. It's just not possible. So Right. Do the best you can. Well, that's all the questions I have. And I thank both of you for your time. Does anybody, do you guys have anything else? Well, Jane, I just want to say thanks again for, you know, for coming back on. And and this is a bit of a different shift than our conversation back in episode 24 with Wine and Dime. But we do appreciate you, uh, you know, being willing to spend an hour with us and, and talk about the emotion around um, this particular topic and how we can make those small little changes um, that, that may ultimately make a big difference. And, and you're doing coaching, right? You're, you're doing coaching around this, correct? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm a life coach, certified life coach and, and happy to work with anyone um, who would like to work on their, their mindset, work on their habits, uh, weight loss, um, stress, you know, reducing stress, mm-hmm. any of those things. So we'll put some information in both of our show notes around that because, um, you know, we, we often talk about all the, all of the things that we did today, but, um, and, and we all know this stuff, like this is not, we may not know all the details around nutrition and stuff, but we all know that I remember a couple of years ago, the doctor said to me, Amy, you have to reduce your stress. And I looked at the doctor and I said, I know that, but I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you just got to do it. And I'm like, yeah, that did not solve my problem. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just when you're, t- when you're my type of personality and, 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 and I'm not saying that's just type A because type B's have stress too, and they have issues as well. Um, but when you're my type of personality, you can't just snap your fingers and say, reduce your stress. I could be doing yoga and and I've tried, you know, doing um, um, some mental sort of uh, um, decompo- de- decomposing, I guess you want to say, or even, you know, just sitting there and, and just thinking and trying to, to be mindful of what's going on around me. And I get more anxious. Mm-hmm. So all the things that they tell you to do to reduce your stress for me, it doesn't work. I, I, I can't meditate 
the way that people talk about meditating, like go, go sit and, you know, go, go meditate um, for five or 10 minutes and that will help you. Well, it might help Carrie, but meditation to me, I find it because like all the stuff that I torture. Think, uh, yes. It's just, I'm sitting there and I was like, okay, this is just making it worse. I'm like actually rocking in my seat at that point in time. So I, I think sometimes, you know, finding what works for us individually and not taking the standard, try this or go meditate or, you know, the, the broad reduce your stress. I, I realize I have to reduce my stress. I realize I have to eat better. I realize I've got to exercise smarter. Like I know all those things and I know Carrie does too. Um, but it's the how mm-hmm. that is the struggle, mm-hmm. at least for me. And I don't, you know, that that's my two cents on the whole thing. That's how, so thank you. A, a coach working with a coach can help you because from a outside looking in, you know, come up with some tools and strategies for helping you get out of that mode. Um, but, but I agree. I mean, you have to individualize it to what works for you. And, you know, you can work on that with a, with a coach or friend or husband or, you know, whatever. And I think the other thing, um, I think you have to be ready because I know, um, a bit ago I tried it and, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that it is work. It is work. And when you, when you have all those other stressors in and you can't figure out or you're not ready to make it a priority, then you're just, you're not ready. You got to give yourself time to maybe make those little changes first. And then you can go back into the coaching because, you know, there's certain I just, it's the same with, and the reason I say that is because it's the same when we're working with a client, right, Carrie? If they're not ready (laughs) to receive the information we're sharing with them, then they won't commit to the changes that we suggest for them. I totally agree. Let me, that happened to me yesterday. I met with a client and she was, what I thought would would be a good um, for our financial organization challenge but when I tried to talk to her about commitment she she was there because someone else wanted her to be there and she didn't want to be there so ultimately we decided not to do it because if she wasn't committed then there was no reason for us to do it and and I, sometimes other people want it for you more than you want it. So you just have to get, decide that it's important to you. I totally agree. Well, again, Jane, thank you so much for being part of the show. And um, Carrie, thank you for inviting me back for a second crossover. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me, guys. Carrie and I are doing one more crossover uh, coming up in about a month. So stay tuned. And then she's going to blossom off onto her own. And that will about wrap up this episode of the Stronger's Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to tune in next time for more ways to strengthen our roots.